All right. Good evening. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Um, Joseph had or originally asked me to have the main session, and I didn't think I had enough material for that, but now I'm not quite so sure. So it might get a little long tonight. No, uh, I don't know. We'll see. So sharing a little bit of our experiences, I just want to to start us off, I want to read a little children's story, which kind of gives a picture into our last year and a half of our experience in Philadelphia. So, it's called, but not the hippopotamus. A hog and a frog do a dance in the bog, but not the hippopotamus. A cat and two rats are trying on hats, but not the hippopotamus. A moose and a goose together have juice, but not the hippopotamus. A bear and a hare have been to a fair, but not the hippopotamus. Now the hog and the frog hurry out for a jog with the cat and the rats in their new running hats. While the moose and the bear and the goose and the hare are doing their best to keep up with the rest, but not the hippopotamus. Then the animal pack comes scurrying back saying, hey, come join the lot of us. And she just doesn't know. Should she stay? Should she go? But yes, the hippopotamus. But not the armadillo. Okay, kind of a silly story. Uh, but the question, uh, the hippopotamus has a dilemma there at the end. Should she stay? Should she go? And... That's kind of been our experience this past year and a half. Should we stay or should we go? Should we stay in Philadelphia or should we leave? And maybe you're wondering why we went. Why were we there in the first place? Why were you there to begin with? Well, there's probably a number of reasons why Lanao and I decided to move there. But one reason that jumped into my mind in thinking back over it was soon after I was there, probably within the first week, a little girl came up to me and asked, so when are you leaving? Well, that, that struck me. That stuck with me, obviously. And, yeah. So this idea of longevity was kind of planted in my mind. And... So, but before we moved to Philadelphia as a married couple, we were actually both there as singles. And I remember in 2001, when I had decided to move to Philadelphia, I remember my coworker's response. And the response was this What? Do you want to get killed or something? Maybe that would be your response. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> that was their response. So they had maybe slightly twisted idea of what city life looked like. My idea of city life was a little different because I grew up in a city church. That was in York, Pennsylvania at Tidings of Peace. So my perspective was maybe based a little more soundly in reality. I'm not sure. But there are some certain truths to their perception of reality. 
And you see, in the 1980s, the area where 6th Street Church began, it was a picture of desolation. It really was. And vacant buildings, abandoned burnout cars, empty trash-strewn lots, and people with despair in their eyes. And I'm not exaggerating. It was pretty, it was pretty bad. And these are some of the things that Claire Martin, who began the work in Philadelphia, these are some of the things that he saw, and these are some of the things that moved him to get a group of guys together, go to 6th Street, and do tract distribution. And as they did tract distribution, they realized that there's, there's interest here, and they started doing tent meetings on an empty lot. And... That attracted more attention, and they began to hold Bible studies in, basically it was an abandoned building, really, <laughs> that somebody claimed to own. That Afterwards, they weren't quite sure actually owned it after all. But regardless, they, they had Bible studies. The Bible studies, that was for adults, and then children, more and more children kept coming. It just kept getting bigger and bigger. And then in... Uh, around 1990, they bought a, a building for a VS couple to live in and also to, to hold services. So uh, that was the first time a VS couple moved, moved to Philadelphia. And over the years, through the, through the 90s there, they, they bought some empty lots. They bought two other buildings. And it just continued to grow. And it probably reached its zenith, at least as far as numbers and staff and support go. Now, there were problems throughout. And I know some of you have at least a little experience in city missions or can relate to it a little bit. And some of those problems centered around... How do you bring people in to the church, into a Mennonite church? And that, that, was the, that was the crux of the problem. That was a big part of it anyways. And then, well, this past two, three years, I guess everything kind of hit the fan. And it kind of fell apart. It's us... And Dan East left, basically, and a, and a few miscellaneous other people. So we have the dilemma. Do we stay? Do we go? But for Lanelle and I, we, like I said, we were both there as singles. And that was, I think Lanelle was involved in the Bible studies in the late 90s. And, and I moved, we both moved there as singles in 2001. Well, after we got married, we moved down, and we continued to help with the administration, camp, summer Bible school, Bible studies, everything, whatever, whatever work needed to be done. And so for the last 20-ish years, off and on, we were there. We were working there. So most of our adult lives were spent at 6th Street. That's basically what we dedicated our lives to. And... So you maybe kind of see a little bit of our dilemma because it, it felt like we were losing something, obviously. 
So now maybe you're wondering, okay, so we know a little bit why you went, but now why are you leaving? Well, you have a little picture into why we're leaving, but I guess part of the reason, a couple reasons we're living, leaving. I guess we didn't see a long-term vision. And on behalf of the people supporting 6th Street, that's how it felt to us. Whether that's true or not, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out. Um, but, and there's no church, and which basically leaves no stability for, for family. And they don't have friends, and there's, yeah, there's, there's very little stability, especially for the long term. No school. So, as Anabaptists, Mennonites, Beatties, it's we have been pretty successful at not doing very well in urban settings. That's been my perception. I don't know why that all is. So, Joseph had asked me to delve into raising a family in the city a little bit. And I don't feel very qualified to address this subject for a couple of reasons. Number one, I haven't completed the, I haven't finished the journey. So I don't, I, I don't have hindsight. I'm still going forward. And I'm pretty aware of my shortcomings as well. I don't get it all right. And yeah, you all, you all know <laughs> these types of reasons. And well, the other thing is we're leaving the city, so who am I to speak on a subject like this? We're, we're, leaving, it, we're leaving it behind in some ways. So Joseph had asked me to, how do you maintain the Anabaptist vision in an urban setting? How do you maintain the Anabaptist vision in an urban setting? I don't know if I can answer the question definitively. I have some ideas that might help, but I'm not going to be able to answer the question. First of all, I think we have to determine what is the Anabaptist vision. What is it? Maybe you have some ideas. What is the Anabaptist vision? Anybody? Or don't we have one? Believer's baptism. Love for your brother. You've nailed two of them pretty well. Not the exact words I have, but yeah. Well, I have a paraphrase of a few things that Harold S. Bender said in a speech he gave to some sort of conference, I don't remember what it was, on the Anabaptist vision. 
and this is not a complete version of what the Anabaptist vision is, but he gives three points that he thinks are major to the Anabaptist vision. The Anabaptist vision included three major points of emphasis. First, a new conception of the essence of Christianity as discipleship, which basically means a transformation of one's entire way of life, outwardly living and inward change. They were used to a state church that or, yeah, the Protestant church, it's more pushed, it's just an inward thing. Well, the Anabaptist said, well, it's the inward needs to show on the outside. It's basically what's being said here. The second, a new conception of the church as brotherhood, love for your brother which basically means a voluntary church membership based upon true conversion involving a a commitment to holy living and discipleship. It's not something you can force on somebody. It's something that is freely received. It's a choice. The third thing, a new ethic of love and non-resistance, which is a complete abandonment of all warfare, strife, and violence, and the taking of human life. Three things, not the complete picture of Anabaptism, but three major points. Transformation of the whole person, voluntary church membership, and love and non-resistance. So if you have a grasp on the vision, you have to decide if it's something that's worth passing on. Does it have value? Is it based on scripture? And I would assume since most since you're here, you kind of think that it probably is something pass, worth passing on. So how do you pass on this legacy in an urban environment? Well, as I was thinking about that, I was thinking, you know what? It's probably about the same way you do it here. Now, if I were to take a poll tonight of all of you and ask you, If you think it's easier to raise a child in the country or a child in the city, I'm guessing the poll would come out strongly on the side of raising a child in the city. I might be wrong. I mean, the country. (laughs) Sorry. I might be wrong. But I'm not here to debate whether or not that is the reality. But for tonight, let's assume that it is. It's easier to raise a child in the country. Now, I want your input here. Why is it easier? What makes it easier, if it is? 
environment. What about the environment? We have environment in Philadelphia too. <laughs> Influence of their friends, okay? Hmm. Keep going. What else? Safe place to play outside. Hmm. Wax creative. I missed that. Less resistance to to deal with. Hmm. You're saying here. Okay. Yep. Why is that? Thank you. <laughs> Where do you live, Chris? Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I was trying to make a list too, and you, you pretty much nailed what I have. I think a lot of what we said centered around one thing, not all of it, centered around one thing. Anybody know what that one thing might be? It starts with a C. Now you could have various guesses here. Culture, community is the word I had. Culture is also true. Now, some of the things I, I have here, I'm going to probably open it up for response here at the end. You may or may not react to what, what I have. I have a number of quotes here, and you may, I don't know, it's been a while since I've been here. So maybe you're going to react to it. I don't know. But, and maybe you're going to have pushback. That's, a, that's fine. And I think you should maybe. But I'm viewing what I'm saying here through the lens of my experiences of the past two years. So, a little caveat there. Yes, I, I think... What you have here is good. We like the we like the space. We like a place for our children to play, and that that is that is safe and that is important. That's part of the reason we chose a house with a big yard. Um, we like, and I mentioned this before, to raise our children in a place that has stability, safety, community where we can interact with other believers. We have this 
culture that we know, that we love. It's what we're, and part of it is, it's what we're used to. There are lots of Christians who live in the city. At least I hope so. Since that's where most of the world lives. A lot of the New Testament church was in the city. I think. Corinthians. Yeah, I think it was the city. There was a few other cities, maybe Ephesus. Yeah. Some cities there. But we, you have something good here. And so I just want to read a few quotes here. One about stability. Those who think stability is meant to hold you back and to stifle personal and spiritual growth are missing the hidden value in the commitment to stability. It, it anchors you and gives you the freedom that comes from not being subject to the wind, to the waves, and to the currents of daily life. It creates the ordered conditions in which the soul's internal pilgrimage toward holiness becomes possible. Stability. When, when everything's wishy-washy, back and forth, up and down, it, it's hard to, to achieve this. So we like, and I think to have a stable community, we need a, a, couple, a couple things. And I think this stable community can happen in the city. I'm not abandoning hope. <laughs> I am abandoning the city, but I'm not giving up the idea that it is possible. So one thing that gives us this stability is community. The people around us, our friends. We can let our children go play with other children. And yes, there's going to be issues. But we know that there's a core value there that we hold. And I think that's important. Community. This community, a body of believers, maybe is a better word. This togetherness will enable us to stand against the increasing demands that Nate was talking about, hostilities, and ever more quickly changing dynamics of our world that would otherwise be very difficult to resist as a standalone family with no structure around. And I think, and this is one thing I think that I missed in Philadelphia, and that is having a school. I think a school is important, yeah. A school where you know the ideals center around your own. We, we missed that. So what brings stability? A community with shared ideals. 
I think that's one thing that brings stability. And another one is rules. This is the one I was afraid people might react to. <laughs> I don't I'm not gonna try and make monks of you of all you all, so just relax. But quote I have here, and I, I think this is very true, submitting to rules one doesn't understand. Those are the kind of rules we really hate, right? What's the point of this? Submitting to rules one doesn't understand is difficult, but it is good. Now remember to view this through my lens of the past two years. Submitting to rules one doesn't understand is difficult, but it's a good way to counteract the carnal desire for personal independence. There may not be spiritual merit in choosing to eat two dishes instead of three at a meal, but the humility that comes with agreeing to submit to another's decision that one do so is transformative. Now, I don't know if you agree with that or not, but I think there's some truth there. I see some skepticism. And this is, I, I, do want, I do want some feedback and maybe some pushback. So, and the other thing is tradition. And I, I do think there are things like far too many rules. And I think there are good traditions and bad. But tradition is something that brings stability. We have a tradition. Right? Yes, we do. <laughs> and a tradition is just a, a way of practicing our faith that you pass from one generation to the next. When Christians ignore the story of how our fathers and mothers in the faith prayed, lived, and worshipped, we deny the life-giving power of our roots, and we cut ourselves off from the wisdom of those whose minds were renewed. As a result, at best, the work of God in our lives is slower and shallow, shallower than it might otherwise be. At worst, we lose our children. We can't pass on the tradition. We can't pass on the faith. Now, push back. What are you thinking? Or would that be putting on the spot? Mm-hmm. 
Thank you, Calvin. Appreciate that. So the things I, I, I read here, they're not obviously not fully fleshed out. I mean, it's just a bare, it's just a, a bare bone right there. So, yeah. Any, any other comments and pushback? So, like the hippopotamus, we've decided to join the rest of you <laughs> in the country. We are not coming here. We are, we are probably moving to Westmoreland. And like I've mentioned before, it's not because we believe an urban Anabaptist life is impossible. It's not because we've given up hope. It is because we felt like we lacked some of those things that bring stability and longevity to a community. And we want to be part of a community like you have here, where, where some of those things are more, are more established where there is a community of believers, which we didn't have a large community there. So, yeah, as we move to Westmoreland, or, or Westmoreland, Trogger, <laughs> I don't know why I was saying Westmoreland, moving to Trogger, and as we move, and we'll probably be moving after the school year, we, we covet your prayers, and we thank you for your support over the last, I guess, 20 years, really, <laughs> as we were in and out of Philadelphia. So thank you. Thank you for your time. And that's all I have. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a good God. We thank you for the church of Jesus Christ that you have invited us to be part of. And for a community of believers that we can associate with, that we can be built up in through the edification of the people around us. And Father, I pray for, for the church here at Weavertown. Father, I pray that you bless them. I pray that you would build them up. And I just pray that their community here, this body of believers, could remain strong in the faith and in blessing one another. We pray these things in your name. Amen.